everyone, and welcome to Women's Sports Central. I'm Brenda Van Lingen, along with Michelle Vopel, and today is Friday, March 1st. That means we are on the verge of all the madness of March, and the last day of February provided a little madness with all the upsets, Michelle. There were a lot of upsets in college women's basketball last night. A lot of senior nights, and that seemed to be really emotional for a lot of teams, and and helped a lot of teams. So there were uh, there was a one notable exception, which was at Tennessee, where the right. seniors Tabor Spaney and Kamika Williams didn't let it happen. They they won and clinched yet another um, SEC regular season championship, beating Texas A and M. But you're right, Brendan, and I think right on top of that list, um, well, there, there's 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 several, but one of them that really you know um, is going to have is going to have a, an impact. I think is Penn State mm-hmm. losing at Minnesota because that means this coming uh, Sunday, Nebraska is going for its eleventh win in a row could tie Penn State for the Big Ten regular season title. Yeah, Penn State opened up the door uh, by losing at Minnesota. Nebraska barely escaped at Wisconsin, so they put themselves in that position. But now by Penn State losing and Nebraska winning. Uh, Nebraska has a chance to share uh, that Big Ten title, and then of course there's the the the, uh, the drama or you know the emotions around this being the last Husker women's basketball game in the Bob Devaney Sports Center. They're they're not tearing it down. They're moving over to play in a new arena downtown in the Haymarket area, and volleyball is going to be taking over the Bob Devaney Sports Center. But if you get a chance, uh, just for fun, I went back and, and thought about all my memories at the Bob Devaney Sports Center, being a native Nebraskan and growing up and going to state tournaments there and basketball camps and then coaching at the University of Nebraska and then uh, launching my broadcasting career. So uh, my website is bv on tv etc.com if you want a chance to to take a look at my blog but um aside from that it it sets up to be a really important game so now penn state's just lost on the road nebraska's been playing great defense and have won 11 in a row uh it's going to be an exciting game in lincoln uh this sunday evening it really is, and, and there is some, you know, everything we talk about, Brenda, really um, from now on is, is NCAA tournament implications. Mm-hmm. But if the Huskers are able to win that game, obviously they, they celebrate a, a share of the title, and then they go into uh, the Big Ten tournament mm-hmm. again with this full, you know, full uh, head of momentum, you know, who knows? I mean, they could they could potentially win that tournament, and then we're talking about a pretty good seed mm-hmm. for the Huskers. Mm-hmm. By the same token, you know, this was uh, you almost felt like this was a um, kind of a hornet's nest in a way that that Penn State was going into with Minnesota, because Minnesota has been close to winning some big games and hasn't won them, uh, and they were able to close the deal last night against Penn State. Yeah, uh, Minnesota's been so up and down, and I actually had been on the broadcast of Minnesota at Penn State, where they had a real chance to beat Penn State there in-state college, but uh, Minnesota's just been so close, and they've got two great scorers in Rachel Bannum and Michaela Roche, but they don't have they don't have a lot of other scoring options. So if the if they, when they've had foul trouble or uh, those two or uh, you know haven't haven't performed as well, they've just been up and down this year. But they have the the 
the firepower to win some games, and they did. As you look around the rest of the Big Ten, uh, Iowa beat Indiana. That's important for Iowa to get a couple of wins here. They host first and second rounds, so uh, they're trying to play them themselves back out of that bubble and into the NCAA. Ohio State beat Illinois, and Illinois has been playing well lately in the Big Ten. And then Michigan State beat Purdue, and Purdue has now lost five of their last seven um, as one of the Big Ten coaches said, Purdue's kind of leaking oil at this point. So they are not taking any momentum into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but uh, I think it's still – there's been really good play in that conference all year. I think the tournament is going to be very interesting in Chicago. And, you know, Purdue has has played so well in the Big Ten tournament, but it's also been in Indianapolis. Right. So it would be interesting to see, and, and this is in any way to say, you know, Purdue – hasn't been a good team. They have been a good team, but I do think it's helped them, you know, to to be in Indy, to to have that sort of kind of home away from home advantage. So I'll be interested to see what the crowds are like uh, in Chicago and and how that maybe just impacts, you know, some of the atmosphere of some of the games in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I think so as well. Well, let's let's talk about, you mentioned Tennessee wrapping up the SEC with uh, their win on senior night, a 10-point win over Texas A&M. And so we've talked about in the SEC that it may come down to Tennessee and Kentucky in that last game. Well, uh, the conference title's already already uh, already taken care of, already been decided, but that will still be uh, a good game. And another one of those getting ready for SEC and postseason play in the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... It's interesting because you never really think of Tennessee as being a team that, um, you know, was an underdog in any way. But if they ever were one, maybe this year, you know, was sort of a case of that because Holly Warlick in her first season as head coach, uh, Kentucky picked to win the SEC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I – well, let's go back to the first game of the season. They lose to Chattanooga, which, you know, shook everybody up. They lost uh, an SEC road game at Missouri, which I saw, lost it by double digits. And so this team sort of had to pick itself up after some disappointing losses. I guess we should also mention, you know, just kind of got the stuffing kicked out of them at Baylor uh, back in December. So that was another loss they had to come back from. And now you got to feel like Tennessee's – you know, in in good shape going into the SEC tournament. Uh, meanwhile, you have a team like Georgia, which uh, last night really struggled um, and and lost. And when Georgia plays badly, Brenda, oh my goodness, do they play badly? They just do not put points on the board. Yeah, they were upset uh, but, by Mississippi State, fifty to absolutely. thirty-eight last night. So that's what you know. I'm I'm going to be headed to the SEC tournament, and I don't know what I'm going to see. Because, you know, there's conceivably, you could say maybe four or five teams that could win this event, and yet two of those teams both lost last night. Two teams that you could say, well, maybe you could see South Carolina or Georgia possibly winning the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. They both got upset last night. So right now you gotta you, you have to say, I think, you know, Tennessee is the favorite going into the to the league tournament. 
It'll be interesting. Now, A&M has played well this year, but they have lost lately on Vandy's home court and at Tennessee. So it'll be interesting with Gary Blair's success in conference tournaments, as we well know, in the Big 12 in the past several years. It'll be interesting to see what they bring uh, to the SEC. But you're right. uh, It was Missouri that upset South Carolina last night, 65-58. We mentioned Mississippi State upset Georgia. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens in the SEC tournament. Uh, let's uh, let's look at some of the other upsets that, uh, again, didn't um, impact the conference title, but does shake things up as far as momentum going into the ACC tournament. I'm talking about Duke being upset at Miami, and that was senior night at Miami, and a couple of seniors came through and played well for them. And then Florida State uh, beat Maryland. So Miami and Florida State are, are good, solid teams, but still upsets nonetheless, and it kind of kind of just shakes things up a little bit uh, going into ACC play. And indeed, it really does. And then the the other, you know, another senior that had a, a chance and was able to to help her team win a game last night is Alexa Deluzia with Florida State uh, beating Maryland. And you know, Florida State's had you know they've had some ups and downs this season too. But they do have a fifth year senior in Deluzio. They you know they've had some history of of postseason success in recent years. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I, you know, still you got to look at Duke as the the favorite going into the tournament, but they have a they have a pretty emotional game, wouldn't you say, Brenda, coming up, and and you're going to be at that one. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. Get to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, for a Sunday game against their uh, their rival, North Carolina. So uh, I, I've been you know watching back and and watching a lot of both of their their games uh, over the last few uh, weeks and. When Duke went to North Carolina earlier this year, Duke just completely dismantled them. And, uh, you know, I've got to think that North Carolina is, you know, really edging to go back and prove themselves, of course, with the rivalry. And now with Duke being without Chelsea Gray, I mean, you take out their their All-American point guard and you think about uh, what a lot of teams across the country, a lot of top teams would do if you took their All-American point guard or top player off the court, um, you know, Duke is absorbing a lot. And, uh, yes, they played well against Maryland, but they they didn't uh, show the maturity and uh, hustle for loose balls, and they turned the ball over too much against Miami. So I think it sets up, you know, besides all the other rivalry stuff that goes on between UNC and Duke, uh, it, it should be a really compelling game on Sunday afternoon. And there's some of the, the middle-of-the-pack ACC teams that do have the capability. I mean, they've shown it during the season, even though their, their records aren't particularly great. And I'm, I'm talking about Virginia, Georgia Tech, uh, maybe even NC State and Wake Forest. Those teams, um, you know, could do have the capacity to maybe pull an upset. And we've seen that, actually, in the ACC. We've seen some surprises mm-hmm. in early-round games. Um, and, and that'll be something to watch for in Greensboro. Yeah, yes, definitely. All right, so let's see. Let's hop to uh, another conference as the big game for the Big East title will be on Big Monday. Notre Dame and UConn, of course, the only blemish on the Huskies' 
uh, record, of course, is their loss at home to Notre Dame. So this game will be in South Bend. It'll be uh, senior day for Skylar Diggins and crew. So um, I'm sure all eyes will be on that game on Monday. I am certainly looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I, that is going to be a, a, a pretty uh, pretty emotional game. I think uh, Notre Dame ended up having like all their senior ceremony stuff mm-hmm. for their game against Syracuse. You're right. This yes. week, mm-hmm. which is really smart. Yes. You know, I mean, Muffet McGraw is no dummy. I tell you what, she knew, hey, we want to get that out of the way because yep. uh, it's always very emotional. Hey, let's have that. Let's have senior night and the tears and the flowers and all that stuff the game before we play UConn. Mm-hmm. And I think that made sense. Now, Notre Dame didn't play particularly well in that first half against Syracuse, but they were able to come back. Mm-hmm. So that emotion, you know, had it, spent it, uh, it's going to just be all business, I think, um, on, on Monday night. And last year, you know, th- those teams, Notre Dame and UConn, obviously played each other four times, and we could have the possibility of that mm-hmm. happening again. It's true. And – and I agree with you. I think that having the senior day and all the the you know the ceremony and all of that before it was the right thing to do. But I still don't think you can take the element of this is last our, game. our last game <laughs> as a senior, you know, at home. I, I mean, it's emotional. I, I don't care if you have a ceremony or not. It's still emotional, and you're still playing. Our, uh, you know, your arch rival in UConn. So uh, I, I think it was good to have all that out of the way to take that extra element out of it, but it's still going to be an emotional game for Notre Dame. And you were there uh, for the Notre Dame win at UConn earlier this year. No, I wasn't at that one. I was at, um, I, I was at the Notre Dame-Baylor game earlier this year. I wasn't in UConn. It wasn't at UConn when Notre Dame was That's there. Right. That but was the I did day. watch it. That That's was, right. you know, that was that early, early January game. And, and I tell you what, I'll be totally honest, Brenda. I did not think Notre Dame was going, you know, to win that game. I, you know, you, you figured, Hey, they're, they're a good team. They played Baylor well, but you know, UConn's got more weapons or, or so it seemed um, at the time. And that was one of the that was one of the exciting, fun games of the year so far, and especially the way that Notre Dame just oh, they just were so tough in the closing minutes of that game, which is hard to do when you're on the road. Um, it in regard to is it senior day if you don't say it senior day, right? <laughs> it, that reminds me of you know the the the, the, old, the line that you see on television where you know the defense attorney or the prosecutor says something and the judge tells the jury you must disregard that. You must pretend you didn't hear that, right? right. You know, it's sort of like once the bell's been rung, it's you're, you're you know you can't unring it. Mm-hmm. That's probably you're right. It's probably the same thing. You can say it's not mm-hmm. senior night and you can not give the flowers and everything, but you know obviously. Skylar Dickens knows this is the last time she's going to play um, in in South Bend mm-hmm. uh, playing for the Irish. So, you know, we'll see how that affects them. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't have any effect on who gets a number one seed. Uh, I mean, right. b- both of them are still locks in that way. But like you said, you know, they could end up playing again in the Big East tournament and then, you know, potentially in the NCAA tournament. So there's still some of that um, – uh, you know, that posturing in some ways, you know, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to uh, not do in this game? How are we going to, how are we going to approach certain things defensively? I mean, there's a lot of X's and owing and, and chess match sort of thing 
things going on in this game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Brenda, what do you, when you play, uh, I, I don't know, when, during your coaching career, I don't know if you ever, I, you guys probably never played somebody four times, mm-hmm. but when you were at Nebraska, maybe three times, you know, mm-hmm. maybe twice during the, the season, then met them in the conference tournament. How hard is that when you're, when you play a team that many times and, and especially a team that even though I know the personnel has changed, mm-hmm. you've played them a lot in the in the last few years, you played them four times last year. You know, you've already played them. Um, you know, it, it's a team you're very, very familiar with. Both the coaching staff uh, are very familiar with each other and the players. What is that like in terms of trying to, you know, come up with new strategy? Or, or do you, are you just not able to do that? Well, it's. I think it's very intriguing. I think it's something that coaches like to do a lot. And as you think about, as you approach a game and you're, talking about how you're going to defend certain players or certain actions in another team's offense, how you'll defend on ball screens. Uh, you know, there are so many different ways. And, you know, you're, it's always about winning this game, but there's also an element of maybe this time, there, you know, there's the second-guessing sort of stuff. They're expecting us to trap on ball screens and rotate out of it because that's what we did so effectively last game, for example. And then maybe deciding not to do that in this game just because you're, you know your opponent's been preparing for it over and over, and so you throw a little different wrinkle into it. So those are the kind of chess match sort of things, and, and with you know Muffet McGraw and, and Gino R.E.M. and knowing each other so well and both being master strategists, uh, th- that those are some of the... the the games within the game that I think are so interesting, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to do. But I, but I think the coaches that really love the strategy part of it, I think they just thrive on that kind of stuff. Kind of like when you're playing the battleship game. Remember that <laughs> when you were a kid, and you're like, okay, I always put my ship over here, but my sister knows I always do that. So I've got to move it over here, except I know that she knows it. So maybe she thinks because I know she knows it, that I'm going to move it. So instead I'm going to keep it here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, well, I like that. A lot of so. that kind of stuff. A lot of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a great example. All right. So the other, con- the other major conferences, the PAC 12, uh, both Stanford and Cal are 16 and one at this point. Stanford will play Washington state this weekend. Uh, should have no problem. Cal playing at Washington. So uh, that'll be the game. I think that if Cal continues on its winning ways, the, uh, they and Stanford will share the PAC 12 uh, title this year. Yeah, and that could be a little a bit of a danger game for Cal. I was talking to my colleague at ESPN, Michelle Smith, and she's pointing out that Cal's been a little more, she says, a little shakier in in recent weeks, and they're playing a little closer to their competition, if you will. So they're going to have to, you know, really knuckle down, play that game well, and then you know, going into the Pac-12 tournament, Brenda, it's been a while since we really thought, okay, is anybody but Stanford going to win this thing, right? right? Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's at least, you know, Cal has provided that a little bit, that spark of of interest that there's another team that has beaten uh, Stanford during this season, another another Pac-12 team. And so that, I think that adds a little bit of of spice to uh, the Pac-12 tournament, which is going to be, uh, played in Seattle this year, which uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what sort of uh, 
uh, you know, crowds they get for that. Yeah. Seattle's such a great uh, supporter of WNBA and women's basketball in general. It, it will be interesting. I, I'm sure there is a real effort there to uh, get a lot of fans for the Pac-12 tournament, so that'll be interesting. Um, speaking of changing of venues, uh, the Big 12 will be in Dallas this year at the American Airlines Center, the first time the Big 12 is splitting up their men's and women's tournaments. So the women will have their own weekend, their own venue, their own city. So it will be uh, interesting to see how many come out for uh, to, to see uh, Baylor win <laughs> yet another uh, conference title, uh, likely. But uh, uh, they've already won the regular season title with the, their games this weekend at West Virginia and home against Kansas State. They're hoping to be the first team to go undefeated in back-to-back -back seasons in the Big 12 Conference. And uh, they'll have to play at West Virginia, and I'm actually at both of those games, so I'm West, at West Virginia uh, for the game on Saturday, go up to North Carolina on Sunday, and then over to Baylor on Monday uh, this weekend, so hopefully all the weather uh, will cooperate, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to give a shout-out to West Virginia, a team that came into the Big 12 Conference from the Big East, and in their first eight games were three and five, and in, in four of those losses that weren't to Baylor, they were up by either nine or double-digit points on all their opponents and then let the game slip away. And since then, they've turned it around and have gone 6-2 and two in their last eight games, including an impressive win at Iowa State. And so now West Virginia is actually tied with Oklahoma in the Big 12 standings at 9-7. and seven. Now, Obviously, uh, I don't think anybody expects them to beat Baylor, although they had a good defensive effort against Baylor last time they played. They had 16 steals against uh, the Lady Bears. But they'll, they'll, they'll likely you know, lose to Baylor, but then their last game is at Texas. So they could, they could finish 10-8 and eight, uh, in the Big 12 and um, you know, be right up there in the, the fourth or fifth seed for the tournament, but after starting off three and five, they've had um, a, you know, they've, they've adjusted to play in the big 12 conference extremely well. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and with everything really against them, obviously playing in a new conference where everybody else is uh, familiar with each other, with the exception of TCU. Although I even think TCU is maybe a little easier because they're in Texas mm -hmm. and they've played big 12 schools and the travel isn't, you know, anywhere near as weird for TCU. In fact, you know, some of those games are, are relatively close. Right. I mean, I mean, good grief. I mean, West Virginia is in a just geographically, like just in a completely different place than before. So they've had to get used to a whole lot of new and have done that well. And, you know, while we're talking about the Big 12, Brenda, we also, I think, have to give kudos to Texas Tech. We talked about mm, them earlier this yes. year, and, and uh, you know, I was wondering, how are they going to do? You know, are they, um, you know, they going to be able to sustain, uh, you know, the, the way they ha they're playing, you know, which is undersized for the most part. They're yeah. playing, a, you know, with a pretty small, pretty quick lineup. They've won five of their last six, and the only loss in there was to Baylor. Right. Um, so they could really close out this season um, very strong with that Kansas State and Oklahoma left, but they're going back to the tournament. They missed it last year. They've got five seniors this year, and, and they've accomplished a lot of what they want to accomplish, and I still think they have more to do and, and, could, and, and are able to do that. And with the way they finished right now, they're tied for second with Iowa State, and so uh, 
you know, depending on how things shake out here, likely Iowa State and Texas Tech will be the number two and three seeds, which are the coveted seeds in this tournament because you aren't in the same bracket as Baylor and you've got a chance for more games and more wins. And so that's huge for Texas Tech, too. And, you know, know, I've said this on this show and I said it on the the Fox broadcast this past weekend. I don't think Texas Tech has gotten enough uh, credit for what they've done this week. And I hope that people will take a look at the fact that they've won the five of the last six. And I I think really voters just haven't known what to do with the Big 12 because those teams two through seven have just beaten up on each other. And so, um, you know, it will be interesting to see if how the committee takes all that into effect. But, I, I, you know, there haven't been the top – 10 teams or top even 15 teams in the Big 12 this year besides Baylor. But I think after after that, you've got a lot of really solid teams that are going to make some noise in the postseason. So uh, that's Big 12. I think we've hit all the major conferences. Any parting shots before we take off, Michelle? Well, Brenda, we do have um, you and I both being children of the 70s. We, we heard before we came on the show today that Bonnie Franklin of One Day at a Time uh, had passed away from cancer. And I think that makes us kind of sad because we grew up with her. That was one of those shows that if you were a, a kid or a teenager in the 70s, everybody watched One Day at a Time. It was that, you know, every Sunday night, that whole Sunday night CBS lineup and uh, – and so, uh, you know, that, that does make me kind of sad because, you know, that's one of the things about getting older is all the people you watched on TV kind of, you know, you, you realize that they're getting up there. And, uh, but if, if nothing else, um, people live forever on reruns. So, you know, that, that is something um, that, that does last forever. Your, your work is chronicled forever, and it may sound kind of silly, but I think people will be laughing at that show, you know, forever. Mm. They'll be watching it, and little kids that haven't even been born yet are going to be watching it on, you know, whatever, Nick at Night or whatever, you know, years from now and, and cracking up at it. So, uh, But, you know, it, it is kind of sad to, to have heard about the, her passing. It's true, and it was a an edgy show in a lot of ways, a single mom with a couple of daughters and uh, some of the topics. Barbara was like addressed. a basketball player. Mm-hmm. They, they had her be a basketball player. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli, one of my all-time favorite celebrities. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when the show first started, she was she would she would bring her basketball, you know, on yep. the set and, and everything. They, they kind of got away from that. Uh, but I remember when very early on she was a, she was a hoops player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nostalgia. Michelle and I are always really good for it because of... Uh, if, if nothing else, right? Exactly. We can give you the 70s TV nostalgia. Exactly. It's nice to have one skill. <laughs> well, it's fun to look back. And uh, it was a, a, an interesting last week of basketball that we look back on today and some great games coming up this weekend in, in uh, conference play. So hopefully we've gotten you all up to date on that. We appreciate you all listening in. And uh, we'll be back soon with another edition of Women's Sports Central. On behalf of Michelle Vopel, I'm Brenda Van Lingen. Have a great weekend, everyone.